What would you guess is the world's most popular entertainment franchise today? A new poll just looked at that very question, and the answers are enlightening when it comes to evaluating what kind of movies and TV shows are the most popular today. Hey everyone, Adam Holtz here, your host for The Plugged In Show, focused on the family's weekly conversation about entertainment, pop culture, and technology. Thanks for joining us today. Uh, If you're wondering what the most popular franchise is, mm, I'm going to keep you hanging for just a moment longer, although I don't think anyone's going to be too surprised. So today we're going to be talking about what people like, what elements contribute to a successful entertainment franchise, and how that fandom might be a way for families to connect and bond more deeply over a favorite shared TV series or movie. Joining me for today's conversation are Emily Clark, Bob Hoos, Paul Acey, and Jonathan McKee. Okay, here's the scenario. You're stuck on a desert island. Miraculously, you have electricity, a TV, and a Blu-ray player. No streaming. You get to choose one movie or TV series to keep you company as your hair grows long, you know, like Tom Hanks when his plane crashed, and your teeth are ground down by chewing through coconut shells. What do you choose to watch for the rest of your life? Well, I, I think that's easy. It would have to be Gilligan's Island. Oh, right? that right? excellent, oh, excellent, okay. inspired choice. I and, love and, that. And just for your information, Emily, that's a show about a group of castaways who <laughs> no, find themselves no. deserted on a tropical island. Yeah. Anyway, no. uh, it, it, a three-hour it, tour. It's a three-hour tour. Right. That's yeah. right. And, and in that scenario, Sick, right? I mean, yeah. the fact is, the reason you would want Gilligan's Island is because it would teach you. All those important things that you need to know, like like building a bicycle generator from palm tree leaves and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Okay. I love that answer. Can we all sing the Gilligan's Island theme song together? Ready? Here we go. Just Let's not. Right oh, back. Let's not. Okay. <laughs> Come on. Best theme song it's, ever. It's, it's been a minute or four. I don't want to embarrass myself. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, okay. well, then I'll just go since I already talked about the theme song. Man, I'm almost convinced I now want Gilligan's Island just so I could sing the theme song. But, um, man, that's a tough question because, I mean, you know, you're saying, what would you watch? I mean, you, you could think of fran- – And it's just one franchise, right? I mean, you're talking one about franchise. one single yeah. franchise. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, you could say something like – and I'm not going to say because I know one of you guys is going to say the Star Wars franchise because, I mean, you could, you could do that. Like, you know, I'm assuming that that would be allowed. But TV series? I mean, now you're allowing – I mean, you could choose something like Law & Order so you could have, like, you know, 25 seasons oh, yeah. of watching. <laughs> you know, I mean, and that way you'd have... I love how you guys are, are gaming my question I, already. I mean, this is... I mean, you could really... That way you'd have more to watch. And, it's, you know, and Law & Order is pretty well written. And what else starts with... Da-dung-dung. I mean, I don't even know what that thing is. Right. Um, but I'm going to say Justified. And I'm going to say... Justified. I'm going to say Justified. It's only five seasons. Um, but since it's, we're talking about it, it's just, I mean, it's actually six seasons, I think. Yeah. Six seasons, but it was written by, it's based off a book written by Elmore Leonard, who's an amazing author. Um, the creator of the show is Graham Yost, who's a great writer. And the thing I like about the show is it's, it's this show of this U S marshal, um, who's kind of this good guy who's, you know, who's, uh, standing up for the law and he's and and, uh, it's just unlike any other show. It's not your show where every episode is the same. It's cleverly written. It's uh, it's a well done show, and uh, it just it, so many characters you like. I don't know. I just 
I think I would go for six seasons of Justified rather than 26 seasons of Law and Order. Wow. Well, the idea, I think, is quality over quantity, so that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You don't know how long you're going to be stuck on that island. You know, <laughs> you may just well, want... I'm going to be stuck there longer than you guys because I'm a lot younger than you guys. Oh. That's the line of the podcast right there. <laughs> that's pretty good. Our work here is through. <laughs> so... Let me just say, I'm a little bitter right now because Adam just told me that it, I can only pick one of my fandoms out of my entire nerddom, and I'm really offended by that because... Well, I mean, you could go big and do one. like Star Trek, and that gives you a lot to choose from. I mean, yes, it does, but I'm not as heavily invested in Star... My best friend would probably sit there and just like just be so mad at me for not choosing Star Trek. But no, there are other shows and movies out there. I think, honestly, I'd probably... You know, just come back to me. I'm still debating, okay? All right, All right. I'll go. So I'm really weighing this, and I think, I think my knee-jerk reaction would be the Avengers franchise, huh. in part because the movies are good, but also in part because you could probably build a little shack from all the DVD cases, you know? I think that he would provide a little bit of shelter. <laughs> You're right, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, I would four, think I would go with the, with the DVD cases because they're slightly larger, you know? So oh, that's true. I think that's true. true. That's smart. Now, now, but, now wait, a, wait a minute, though, Paul. Do you mean the old TV show, The Avengers? Oh, no, no, no. The, the, fr- ah. the movie franchise. Well, and <laughs> I don't think that, that Adam specified, could we do both the, the Avengers movie and TV show? I'm going to be there a long time because I eat healthy. And so uh. I need to have a lot of entertainment there to, to keep me occupied, right? Hopefully somebody will be there to call you on your cheating, but whatever. <laughs> but honestly if if i was truly dropped on a desert island with a tv and electricity i think what i would i would honest to goodness choose would probably be survivor man which is an old reality show that oh, was yeah. was aired on the on the discovery channel it feels like it might actually help me survive on that desert island plus there's there's nine seasons of it so it could keep oh, me pretty man. pretty honest. now that now that's way smarter no, I wish I would have thought of that. <laughs> That's way smart. So let me just say this. I feel like you guys who are choosing like these shows that could teach you how to do stuff, you know, yeah, you could learn how to do stuff, but once you build everything that you need to build, then what are you gonna do? You know? So right. I so I'm not going that direction. I'm going for quality over quantity and survival because, you know, I'm assuming that if I have electricity, a TV, and a DVD player, that, you know, I probably have shelter and things that I need to survive. Adam didn't say he shelter. Didn't say that. He just hey, said this lone hey, TV out there on a rock <laughs> <laughs> with a plug. And that's that's, right. Right. that's well, our podcast, guys. Again, I think in this scenario, maybe those things aren't necessary. I don't know. So I'm going to go with entertainment value and... I'm going to go with an old favorite, Lord of the Rings. That's going to be my franchise. Okay. And I'm, I'm sticking with that one. <laughs> I think it's an inspired choice. 
Do you have to watch the Hobbit films or just the Lord of the Ring films, though? <laughs> Do you hey, have to? Because hey, hey. if I was on a desert island, I'd rather both. swim in the ocean than watch those Hobbit films. <laughs> All right. So we don't like the Hobbit films. Those are not on Jonathan's island. Um, you know what? Jonathan's not allowed on my island. <laughs> All right, it's getting very personal now. Uh, this this uh, this question has gone much further off the rails than I anticipated. Uh, Sorry. I'm going to go with the obvious choice, which is Star Wars. But since you all have cheated too, my backup would be Lost. Because uh, very good. A latter day uh, Gilligan's Island. That's um, right. Only I would wake up in the night and wonder if the smoke monster was out to get me. And if maybe there was some sort of buried portal somewhere that would be the key to me finding out that maybe I'm already dead, maybe not. I guess we just watched the first four seasons of Lost and we just give seasons five and six, you know, the week off. Yeah, yeah like, well, Lost is like your mental long. health on that island. It starts really good and it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. yeah. You people, it was all good. <laughs> oh, oh, all right. Well, let's uh, let's transition into the meat of our conversation today. <laughs> that was a, a remarkable uh, discussion we've just had, and I think it's a good setup for what we're going to talk about today. In late November, the Global Insights and Strategy Firm, and that's in quotes if you're wondering, NRG, or maybe Energy, interviewed a whopping... 350,000 people and asked what their favorite entertainment franchise was and which one stood the test of time, which was sort of the basis for my question. You know, now as people who are often distracted, suffering as we do from obliterated attention spans, most of the answers people gave were for fairly new movies and TV shows. But I thought it was revealing this because it potentially gives us a sense of the kinds of stories that people want to engage with and keep engaging with in the future. And, you know, we may not be on a desert island, but with the coronavirus, that sort of feels like a close second yeah. these days. Yeah. We don't leave our house as much. And so actually what we're watching on TV and, uh, you know, the movies that we're streaming or watching on Blu-ray or DVD or even VHS. I was actually looking at my VHS collection this morning. Uh, <laughs> wow. These are important <laughs> things, right? Uh, there's so much that we could watch, uh, but it's a shorter list of things that we want to return to over and over again. And so, Paul, you wrote a blog about this survey, plugged in, uh, with a drum roll in the background. What are the top five entertainment franchises? And we'll do this for the sake of drama in reverse order, if you don't mind. So number five. Number five, Black Panther. Black mm. Panther, interesting. Number four. John Wick. John Wick. I, oh. I know. Crazy, right? Wow. We could have John a Wick. On that, right? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Rather, rather wholesome right. franchise. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> number three. Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Number I feel two. like I need to have a better voice to do this countdown. I feel like I need to. <laughs> In a world with choices world. and surveys. Can we borrow John uh, and number one. No, you skip. Yeah, number actually, two. number two. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I was so excited about number one. <laughs> number two. Number two. <laughs> number two, The Avengers. Okay. All right. See, you're in good company. Paul, what's number one? Number one. This actually really surprised me. It was The Mandalorian. Oh. And why was it The Mandalorian? Well, isn't that an interesting question? <laughs> well, yes, it is. That's why I asked it. 
you know, the 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 whole study was predicated on on something interesting. It's not necessarily talking about the most watched franchises or even the most popular. These are obviously meant to be the most resonant, <laughs> most but but it's it's one of those interesting things where it's talking about what's most thought provoking, what's most resonant, what's most inspiring. Um, John Wick seems like an odd fit for all of those, but. Right. Uh, the Mandalorian landed right at the top. And I think that those of us who have watched the show, I've reviewed it for Plugged In. um, It's a pretty well put together show. And one of the interesting things about the, the Mandalorian showing up on this list is that the Star Wars franchise didn't make an appearance in the top 20. Wow. Well, maybe they figured if they checked the Mandalorian box that yeah, that was all you needed to say. That was all you needed to say, right? Granted, but I feel like, you know, Black Panther was number five and Avengers was number, what was it, two? To me, Black Panther is part of the Avengers franchise, so right. I don't know what's going on here, if that's the right. case. It was a very open-ended poll, and, and actually you have a ton of Avengers who have landed in, in the top 20. Um, Thor was on there, Black Widow was on there, even though she doesn't even have huh. her own movie yet. Uh, Spider-Man actually was on the top 20 twice, both in his Avengers form and in the Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse franchise. Hmm. So he double dipped. Well, I want to go back to the Mandalorian because I think it, in some ways, as cool as the Mandalorian armor is, and let's face it, Beskar is pretty cool stuff. That's the metal that not even lightsabers can penetrate uh, and nerd talk. Uh, it, <laughs> honestly, it's all about baby Yoda, right? I mean, right. or the child or whatever they named him in the most recent episode, Grogu or something. Yeah, which actually, I think that's it totally didn't work for me but that's another podcast too uh you know he's a character who doesn't do or say much yet people absolutely love him what do you think the draw of this character on the mandalorian is which is just about to wrap up its second season because he's so adorable he's adorable. a very ugly green thing with bulbous eyes ways yeah right yeah, <laughs> yeah. i had hey, people you know say what? that about me in Baby- high school Newborn babies look like hairless chimpanzees, and we still love them, okay? Right. I think we can accept. Right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I was, I, I was in Costco what? the other day, and there was so much Baby Yoda merchandise at Costco. I'm like, wow, we, we are really fully out on Baby Yoda. I mean, it was there was, like, big stuffed Baby Yodas. There was Baby Yoda, yeah, like, yeah. dolls, Baby Yoda toys. I, was, I mean, I'm surprised. I, I didn't walk over to jewelry because I was afraid to find Baby Yoda earrings. I mean, it was it was it was going crazy over there in Costco. Well, and and an answer to your question, I think I really do think it's it's a combination of the the appeal of a childlike creature that's that's kind of defenseless, but at the same time it has this mystery about it and this mm. this mysterious power about it. And so I think there's a there's a combination there that makes this character very appealing. Yeah, I think so, too. And the fact that he is slightly naughty on a regular basis, you know, pushing (laughs) buttons he shouldn't push and certainly eating eggs he shouldn't eat. That was a a problem (laughs) on one episode. Well, Paul, what were some of the other entries on this list? Yeah, it's it's a fascinating list, and it does make you wonder a little bit how they put it all together. Um, as I mentioned, a lot of Avengers made it on there. Guardians of the Galaxy actually finished sixth. Um, Spider-Man finished both ninth and 17th. You see a lot of Disney 
products on this list as well. Uh, the Lion King made it at number 19. Coco was number 18. Toy Story was number 15. And Hamilton even closed out the top 20. Um, about 70% of the things that landed on this top 20 list that I had access to um, were all Disney properties. Wow. Which shows that they have some sort of special elixir that helps them create, <laughs> you know, these these very compelling franchises, these these characters that we like to revisit over and over and over again. Well, that brings me to my next question. Uh, what do you think makes for a successful franchise one that might appeal in a way that transcends the moment and becomes something that multiple generations might enjoy together? Hmm. You know, for my money, I think actually it begins with character. We like to spend yeah. time with people or characters or creatures that we like, Right. I don't think that we want to necessarily engage with things that don't have very sympathetic characters that we can't relate to. Um, and so you find um, that that a big element to these successful franchises I, it is a little bit of humanity, something that we can connect with. At the same time, we like our characters to be larger than life. You know, we see the Mandalorian who can can beat up anybody in the galaxy except for the occasional Jedi. John Wick, I mean, <laughs> he's a very compelling character, John Wick is, in these R-rated movies, and he's likable, but he's also a very fearsome character. And so it, it sort of serves as both sort of this, this trigger for relatability and almost a wish fulfillment. Mm. This is something that I can relate to, but it's something better than I am too, and so it gives sort of this this aspirational goal. Funny, that would be my theory. I, I think I think you're right, and it and it's interesting. And maybe when you know you say you know, hopefully John Wick doesn't inspire you, but I think some people would want to live vicariously through him. Oh, only if I could go do that, you know. Uh, they 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 <laughs> like something, and they try to, um, you know. I think you know because. Of all these, I think that's the big question of why John Wick, you know, uh, but it is interesting, you know, they do build him up in the first film as this guy who, you know, loses his wife, loses his puppy, spoiler alert, and uh, and because of this, he becomes this compassionate, you know, character of like, you know, this isn't right, you know, and I'm tired of what isn't right. So he goes out to right the wrongs, you know, in a very wrong way. Um, but uh, <laughs> but it is interesting, though, because there is, I think, people empathized for him in the same way. And Mandalorian's kind of this lone, you know, you know, rebel out there who's out there making his way on his own. And he's obviously got this past that we don't quite know about. We don't get to see under the mask almost. But, uh, you know, I mean, it's. It's uh, it, it it leaves some mystery and wonder, but character development is absolutely huge, Paul. Right on. And and I would I would suggest that uh, if actually if this group NRG had interviewed people with uh, memories longer than the last three or four years, they might have found <laughs> they they might have found a, a number of franchises uh, that people really navigate to and love. Like some of the old ones, you know, like the Carol Burnett show and uh, I Love Lucy and some of those older classic uh, shows. And I, I, I think the real appeal to those is their humor. You know, we haven't spoken about that, but the, there's something that's sweet and funny that a family can relax together with and, and laugh over. 
You know, I mean, when you have when you have a family group laughing together, it sort of breaks down those walls and it helps them connect, I think. And I think that's that's a a big appeal of some of the shows um, that you could choose. No, I agree with that, because I think that without without the writing being there, without, you know, you can have like all the character development in the world, you could have really great characters. But I think that having just a little bit of lightheartedness, a little bit of humor, which is something that I've noticed in Lord of the Rings, I've noticed it in the Avengers, I've noticed it in Star Wars, I've noticed it in all of the franchises. Like, that's something that appeals to people, because you're right, it's sometimes when you're watching like, you know, these really intense like films and stuff, you do just need something that can kind of make you laugh and be like, okay, it's all good. It's all going to be okay. And I wanted to go back to something that who said a little bit earlier as well, the family connection. When you look at these properties, almost all of them feel like they're at least navigable for some families, right? You do have some some grittier franchises that made the list. John Wick, The Witcher, Ozark. Those are those are not family-friendly franchises. But when you look at the rest of the list, it's sort of about this multi-generational contact, right? Where parents can sit down with their kids. And because we're talking about franchises, there's a chance that some of these kids who grow up with these franchises, they'll be showing them to their own kids down the road. Right. Uh, and I think that that's, that's one of the big appeals to these sorts of sprawling multi-movie, multi-episode stories is, is that it, it not only, not only does the story sort of, uh, sprawl but it it can lead to to some intergenerational contact which i think is great mm-hmm. yeah and that's a that's a great segue into my next question we've already started talking about it a little bit you know at plugged in we often talk about movies and shows that you might be better off skipping but we're kind of talking about flipping the script how do you think watching some of these shows and films as a family could provide a, a really great bonding experience that becomes a part of your family's individual culture. And Paul's already started talking about this a little bit. Well, I know for our family, whenever we found a franchise that we liked, you know, it's funny to even use the word franchise, but you know, sometimes nowadays it's like a, it's a, it's a streaming, you know, it's, 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 it's something that you binge watch together, but I've, um, I've been going back and rewatching some old, episodes of monk and psych lately and and it just brings back family memories because my kids loved monk you know and psych and they thought it was so fun and it was it was decently family friendly and and so we would sit down and very often like the kids even if they finished their homework or whatever they come down they're like hey can we watch a monk could we watch it? it was it was funny that, that it was it was something that they kind of and it was something you didn't go do on your own and i think that's changed a lot now that people have their own devices and and sadly in some homes people go into their own bedrooms with their own devices with their own headphones and i think it's neat when there's kind of that one screen in the home and it was something where we asked hey let's all watch one oh we can't cuz so and so's gone tonight we got to wait till they're back it was something we did as a family and and, and that hmm. was, that was fun fond memories that's really sweet i think it's funny that we mentioned like you know sharing these shows like with your kids and whatnot because 
for me, like I definitely experienced that growing up, but sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes I find my, that I am the one sharing <laughs> my favorite franchises mm. with my parents. And um, I am specifically thinking of Lord of the Rings. Cause like, although my family, my entire family, I think went to the theater to see Lord of the Rings when it first came out, but I'm the one who like read the books and is very heavily invested in the series. And I remember I can quote that movie almost backwards to forward, you know? So whenever my family watches it, I usually get, you know, they'll pause it at like, you know, 10 minutes in. Okay, Emily, what's happening here? So like, <laughs> I have become the, I've become the resident expert where it's like, if you have any question about, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, Star Wars, like they come to me and they're like, okay, what's happening? What, what do we, what are we not understanding here? And then I'm like, okay, so sit down and let me tell you a story. <laughs> and that's when I get to like, ex- tell them all of my knowledge about the series and such. And so that's kind of a fun moment for me. You know, but but as to your question, Adam, I think I think a lot of good family fare generally comes with with some solid lessons mm. built in. You know, yeah. uh, I, and and I'm talking about some of the classics as well as some of the modern shows. You know, where they've got these these great lessons about helping others, about you know being kind to someone else, being a loving family member or a good friend, and and they're on they're all based on on well on the very Christian values that we Christians sort of base our lives on. And and those are some of the solid values that, that we want our kids learning and applying in, in their own lives. Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the things that I have enjoyed about our conversation today is that we have seen that there's sort of an overlapping um, group of, of ideas that make something appealing. You know, we like a good story. We like something that has values that we resonate with and we like characters. And I think ultimately when something resonates over time as something we return to over and over again, there's some combination there that is working for us. It's sort of, it's ticking more than one box. I mean, I can go see a Transformers movie and I can be blown away, metaphorically speaking, by the (laughs) CGI, but the story and the characterization typically has not worked very well. And, you know, you may see other things that, again, they get one thing right, but they they really miss it in those other areas. And uh, so I think the things that, that stand the test of time are those things that, that uh, really appeal in multiple ways. And I think as families, one of the things that we can do is to use these stories as a jumping off point to talk about deeper issues. And especially as we have a shared family culture, there's also a shared opportunity there to talk about the values, to talk about the ideas uh, that a movie might uh, really illustrate for us. So the other day we were watching Christmas Chronicles 2, which frankly I don't think is quite as good as the first one, but the Santa character that Kurt Russell plays is sort of pseudo-omniscient. He knows stuff about everybody, and he's not showing all the cards in his hand. And Honestly, as I was sitting there thinking about this movie, I thought it's not a particularly spiritual movie, but I could use it as a springboard for conversation with my family. And I, I suspect it will be one that we will return to next year. And I sort of filed that away as, as things that, that we might want to talk about next year when we watch this movie. And so uh, I think that as these things become a part of our family culture, there is that ongoing opportunity to, to dig more deeply and to talk about 
well, why is this resonant? You know, why do I, okay, here we go. Star Wars. Why do I literally cry every time I watch Star Wars and Luke stares out at those twin sons setting? It's because uh, George Lucas got this moment right, that we have a sense of yearning, that we have a sense of longing for the future. And he managed to capture that with images. And so I think something like that becomes a jumping off point, a talking point uh, for our family. We often lament how nasty entertainment has gotten these days, but you know what? There are still terrific tales to engage with as well. Hit shows and movies that potentially offer a way to deepen relationship with our kids and open doors to deeper spiritual conversation. But taking advantage of that opportunity still requires something important for all of us as parents, and that is being intentional. As we often say at Plugged In, our job as parents is to make wise, intentional decisions about what our kids are engaging with, and then set up appropriate ways with appropriate boundaries for them to connect with that entertainment. Well, as always, we would love to hear from you regarding what's on your mind about our topic this week. What's your family's favorite franchise? What do you watch maybe every Christmas break because you've got the time to do it? You can let us know at team at thepluggedinshow.com or on our Facebook and Instagram accounts. And as a thank you for being a part of our Plugged In Show family, today for a gift of any amount, we would love to send you a copy of Paul Acey's book, Burning Bush 2.0, How Pop Culture Replaced the Prophet. And I think that you'll find lots of things in that book that resonate with exactly what we've been talking about today. You'll find a link to order that book, as well as links to everything else we have talked about here today in our Plugged In blog entry for this week's episode. Well, we have enjoyed spending some time with you today. So on behalf of our Plugged In team, I want to say thanks so much for listening. And we look forward to connecting with you again next week for another episode of The Plugged In Show. 